my name is Amanda Van Annen. Join me and my co-host, Chandra Lynn, as we take you beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. This show covers most topics every modern woman wants to talk about. Finances, relationships, wealth, personal development, branding, and how to find purpose and discover your true, authentic self. Hi guys, I'm your host Amanda Annan and welcome to this episode of the Beauty and the Beat podcast. In the studio with me today, or rather on the other side of the studio with me through the internet, I've got Jolie Hamilton. Jolie is a research psychologist, best-selling author and TEDx speaker and AASECT certified sexuality educator. I'm glad I said that right. And professor of human sexuality. She holds a doctorate in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute, where she studied the impact of jealousy on relationships. Over the past two decades, she has started a dozen business ventures ranging from clothing design to personal training to providing birth and lactation doula services. Jolie says, and I quote, it's time to make relationships that defy the worn out old rules. I help people create partnerships that are built for their authentic selves, no more shrinking, pretending, or hiding. Her book, Project Relationship, is a practical action plan to get back to the passionate, peaceful, and purposeful relationship you always meant to have. Aimed at women entrepreneurs, this book will guide you toward using your best business acumen in your personal life and watching it thrive. Jolie, welcome to the Beauty and the Beat podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited having you because there's a lot of things I wanted to talk about because I was going through everything you do and this thing about being a, would you say you are a relationship coach? Because I was trying to figure out like, you know, or I am. You call yourself a relationship <laughs> psychologist. Yeah, so I stand in an interesting place. I have a deep background in psychology, but I really love coaching. So I do. I focus on relationship coaching mm-hmm. because when you're coaching, you can really drill into the results-oriented steps that people need, and I'm a great accountability boss. So while therapy is really useful, what I find is many people need actual actions that they can take mm-hmm. today to change how they're showing up in their relationships. And if you're busy with business, you don't always have a million years to figure this stuff out. You want it now. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I think that's something a lot of us don't talk about because today everybody is so busy. And when it comes to the male-female relationship, as women, I feel like we tend to look for more nurturing relationships. And being an entrepreneur or a woman who is really ambitious or someone who has a lot of things they're doing and very active, the emotional need tends to be put aside even though it's needed. And I find that, you know, because I was looking through a lot of the stuff you do. And also, I find that sometimes there becomes a disconnect when women that are very successful are in a relationship and their partner feels left out. So the jealousy builds in. So what I wanted to do is build up on that. Talk a bit about relationships as concerning women who work, women who are ambitious, women who are very active. And also the fact that, you know, sometimes when they do have relationships, there's a disconnect because in essence, they're playing the masculine role, which I mean, I don't want to say masculine feminine, but in essence, they're playing the role of the breadwinner. Right. 
Well, the world exists with polarities in it. Now, and that doesn't mean that we have to treat that, those polarities, those binaries as the end-all be-all, because in fact, they're a continuum, right? So Mm -hmm. we can find ourselves moving into that masculine, that traditionally masculine space of ambition and breadwinning, and then struggling to feel seen in the feminine and feel connected to our femininity. I don't think that this is something we can't deal with. Like there are really clear ways that we can move between those two polarized spaces and stop ourselves from feeling like our partners need to hold a specific role. In fact, we can custom create a relationship that's right for us, where we maybe are the more ambitious partner or where we are trying to balance the different parts of nurturing and taking care with our ambition And trying to figure out how that balances with a partner and what parts of that they pick up. We're really custom creating. All of us are. We're custom creating relationships because the old rules don't suit a modern life. Yeah, because I like what you say about custom creating because that's very important. But then as much as the old rules don't suit a modern life, we kind of have in society set rules which people expect us to follow still. So I find out if there's a disconnect between trying to set new rules for yourself or set new to the way society in general expects us to be. Yeah. Well, you're bringing up an important point. One of the things I do is help couples recommit to themselves and set aside time to practice being in their relationship. Because Mm -hmm. when you practice being in your relationship, You can then separate out all those expectations, those rules, those things, those societal standards that you feel Mm -hmm. pressing on you that can have you actually acting in ways that don't work inside your actual relationship. If we practice being conscious and communicating with our partners about what we really need Mm -hmm. and we do that regularly, then it's much easier to live in a society that doesn't necessarily understand exactly what we're doing. You see, I have several therapists that have been on the show, several, you know, self-help spiritual people, and a lot of them say the same thing. You've got to communicate with your partner what you really need. Now, there's always a disconnect. There must be some sort of disconnect because people still need psychologists and self-help people, and they're always telling them you've got to communicate. Now, what does does one do when you have a non-responsive partner? Because sometimes one partner could be trying to communicate, but the other partner is kind of closed. Yeah. Well, it's important to turn our curiosity to what's causing mm. that closing. Mm. It's not It's not a question of more communication is necessarily better. Quality of communication is what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And not everyone uses the same number of words. If our partner is closed down. We can start making change by simply being curious about what's causing the closing up and how we might soften the space and soften our own expectations to allow them to express in the ways that work for them currently, while also inviting them into conversation. In other words, let me put this more simply. If we point a finger at our partner and say, you need to communicate more, that is an aggressive stance, and it doesn't actually invite our partner into our space. So instead, Mm -hmm. if we can soften a little bit into, okay, this isn't working, so where could we meet in the middle that would be a productive place for us to talk differently? 
And Mm. often what it is, is we need to practice talking about the things that do work. We so often try to focus on let's communicate about the things we're not getting or we need and we're not getting or the things that aren't working or the places where we're falling down together. I ask people to instead start with what is working. Where are we coming together in a good way? Where do we, you know, shuck off the rules of society and find ourselves co-creating something awesome and start building from there? And that way, our partner can feel how we are seeing where they are showing up for us. And mm-hmm. that goes both ways. That's also something we can ask for from our partner. Like, let's focus on the positivity. If we have a ground, if we have a base of positive connection, it is much easier to build up vulnerability and showing up for each other. But if we don't have that base of positivity, we become trapped in those cycles of like, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull at you to get mm-hmm. you to fix something. Mm-hmm. So saying that, how honest should one really be in the relationship when <laughs> communicating to the other person? Because, you know, you might say something that could really piss them off or they might feel like, oh boy, you know, how could you say that? You're the one, you know, because people do get defensive in these situations when trying Absolutely. to sort out this issue. So how do how would you, you know, tell someone to approach that? So Honesty is an interesting thing in relationships. I happen to really, really love deep honesty that gets messy very, very quickly. Not everybody does, and that's okay. Honesty needs to be built on that solid foundation, right? So we want to try to incrementally increase the vulnerability that we can have. When we're talking about something that might make our partner defensive, What's the softest and most stable way we could talk about it? So the thing I tell people is, how about if we decide to, for instance, have an intentional conversation? If we're going to say something honest that we know is going to set off some fireworks, what if we set up for success? Let's set aside a little time, 45 to 90 minutes, say, light a candle, sit down together, and intentionally say, we're going to just talk about this, and at the end of this time, my goal is for us to be closer together and actually say that up front. And then remember to use all the basics that we're taught, you know, I statements, speak from your heart. But more importantly, only try to tackle just so much. Don't reach out into every complaint you have about your relationship. Take on one thing at a time. If you've got something important to discuss, keep the discussion narrow. If you are trying to overhaul your business, you don't go in and just tear everything up all at once. That doesn't work. We instead get focused and strategic about what we're approaching. Get specific. You talk a lot about women, successful women. I don't want to say ambitious, just successful women in relationship or busy women, let's say, in relationships. And you talk a lot about that and the disconnect. Where do you think that comes from? What is going on? What's the thread that runs through that? The most common thing you found. Yeah. One of the big issues that we have is that The expectation that we can do anything and have everything, I think has really, we've got that. The modern Mm. woman understands that she is capable of doing whatever she wants and she can really set enormously high goals. That's fantastic. But we have not addressed collectively or individually, we haven't addressed what's that going to do to all the other pieces of life? How do we have a life that contains a partner, children perhaps, a family connection, friend connections. What do we do with all those things that used to be handled by having a wife at home to take care of things? 
since that's not where we are anymore, we actually have to revision what our life is going to look like. And what I find is most people didn't actually strategically choose how they do these things. They just took the next step and then the next step. So you, you're on that relationship escalator. And before you know it, you've got two kids, a thriving business, but you've lost your connection to your partner because it was the easiest. And here's the thing. It feels like the cheapest decision to make. Like, I'll cut that because he has to show up for me. I'll pull back. And it's what I wrote about right in the opening of my book. When I was stressed and overwhelmed, I was raising seven children and I was running a business that required me to be on present, in present physical place for 12 to 14 hours a day. It was insane. And the easiest place for me to make a cut was from my relationship with my husband. But that added up really, really fast and the whole world started to crumble. If I hadn't noticed that the tenuous connection between he and I was what was causing the crumbling, we would have lost everything. We would have lost the business. The kids probably would have gotten into all kinds of trouble. Luckily, we caught it in time to shore that up and make the foundation of our household actually work again. And that didn't mean that I gave up on my big dreams. In fact, I went on to very quickly take on two graduate degrees and writing and a whole bunch of other projects. But I did that having gone into gone into a process with my husband mm -hmm. of how are we going to do this together for real? Okay. So it's like I, what we talked about slightly before the show, you know, because I love what you were talking about now, but it made me think of something which is really, really interesting. And the fact that in today's world, when you're going in a relationship and like in the past, it's undefined and you yeah. have to define what it is. But at that point too, don't you have to know that, okay, if I'm a very ambitious woman and I'm working in this, then perhaps you should find someone that matches your energy on a different level. So you might decide to go out with someone that wants to stay at home or work from home or start a home-based business. Or, you know, should that be how we should be molding our relationships as we head into them? We forget how much choice we have. So I think you're making an excellent point, Amanda. There is not just one person in the world for each of us. In fact, there are lots of people who we would be a good connection to and we could build a life with. But when we expect our partner to be the same as us, yeah, well, if we're ambitious, and I certainly am, or if we have big goals, or if we're just already successful and like we're running a world, it's not the worst thing in the world to pair up with somebody who has a different kind of energy. On the other hand... Sometimes we fall for somebody who runs as hot and as fast as we do. <laughs> and that's not, that does not mean it won't work. But it does mean that we need to have a set of conversations that get us to a spot where we know that we are outsourcing what needs to be outsourced, that we are on the same page about how it looks to raise children together or to show up and like really be in our relationship. Because the default assumption by the society that we live in is that as the woman in a relationship, I will do the emotional caretaking and I will do the invisible labor, all the stuff that it takes to memorize and to like keep straight in my head to keep our life going forward. So if I don't have conversations pretty darn fast as I'm dating, I am apt to wind up with a partner who by default presumes that I will take on that emotional labor, that I will take on the lion's share of that. It's never too late to go back and have those conversations. But yeah, if you're in the dating stage, if you're in the creating your relationship stage, have those conversations now. It's totally possible to design what you need, but not if you don't ask for it. 
So do you think this is something we should be asking for from this, you know, talking about from the start of the relationship? Because I do notice like, you know, some people are successful and they also want a successful partner, but they don't realize that in the long term, especially when they start having kids, it could be very stressful on the, of the relationship. And I've seen it work with two partners like that, but it's also affected the children because they've not been there and the children have grown up with nannies and, you know, caretakers. So, yeah. um, So, yeah. Yeah. I think we do. We absolutely should be clear about what we want and how we want to design our life. There is a mistake that people make where when we're getting started in a relationship, we, and it's usually subconscious stuff running the show here. We try to be what the other person wants. We're guessing. We're in this projection tunnel where we're trying to guess and be who the other person wants to a degree. And when we do that, we set ourselves up to be disappointed six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road about what we actually get out of the relationship. So yeah, I do think we should be the first relationship work is your work. It has nothing to do with what happens between you and a partner. It's about getting clear on what your priorities are. And for instance, if you want the partner, the kids, I mean, I I have a passel of teenagers being clear on what that meant, because that meant quite a few years of dialing back some of my work so that I could be there. There were choices to be made. And those choices can be made from a place of consciousness or from a place of emergency. Emergency is not a great place to make decisions from. Yeah. Have those conversations as you go. But it's never too late. Yeah. And do you think sometimes these choices, you know, there comes a time when people get into a relationship and all of a sudden they're battling these choices because both of them are thinking, I don't want to give up this aspect of my career or I don't want to give up this aspect of myself for the family. And why can't you do it? Because my career is going great and I can do this. And the other person's like, no, but I'm doing this. And there's this blaming game that happens sometimes, you know, where they're blaming each other. They don't want to compromise. And I've seen it also end in divorce, you know, so, and also there's the thing that, you know, people say yes, when they go into this relationship saying, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that. Or I, and then the relationship starts, things change in their life. Career gets better. They're making more money, whatever it is. And those decisions become so hard to make. Right. Well, I have people do two two really big things. They're actually very, very simple, but they're two big things. One is figure out your relationship why. You know, we all know Simon Sinek's talk about figuring out your why. Why are you showing up in a relationship? Not about this particular partner even. Why? Why do you want a relationship at all? Get clear on that. Spend an hour meditating and journaling and figure out what the heck you're doing. Why do you do this? And the second thing is your purpose. This is different. Your purpose is between you and your partner. What is the purpose of this relationship? So many relationships have zero concept of a purpose, a grander goal. But we wouldn't run a company without a vision, right? We make mission statements. We declare our company's purpose. If we don't do that, we are micromanaging and we're just running from thing to thing and it's no good. In order to have a really, truly connected relationship, we want to know what the purpose is. I know people who've decided, in fact, to have their purpose be to raise a family together. And when they commit to that purpose, when those bumps in the road, those changes that you were talking about, when they come up, they can return to that purpose and say, how can we be in alignment with this purpose and 
take advantage of what's right in front of us and enjoy our life. But the purpose allows them to be on the same page and build from a place of togetherness rather than I want, you want. That's that polarizing tension we were talking about. That's not helpful. We want to build on that solid foundation. So your why, your relationship why, and your together purpose for your relationship. Two great tools to put in action. I really like that because it just, from what you said, it makes a lot of sense. It cuts a lot of crap because, you know, your relationship, why, and what the purpose is. And this is a discussion you can have with someone at the beginning when, you know, you're dating and things start getting more serious. But then I think the hard thing for most people, male and female to do is then to cut the tie. Yep, it is. It's hard to say yeah. no to somebody who's not a match. Like, yep, you know what? They're not a match. That's the whole point, though. The whole point of these conversations is to rule out people who are not actually in alignment with our vision for our life. If you don't want to be married for 13 years and then find yourself divorcing somebody, I did that. I did that because I did not have an aligned purpose with my first husband. When the rubber met the road and things got hard because I wanted my life to go a certain way, yeah, we couldn't stay together. So if you want to build a relationship on firm foundation, then you need to be willing to let go of people who aren't the right match. It's just a reality. Wow. I mean, (laughs) I guess that's the reason for dating probably. So, but then most people, okay, I thought of it. Then most people that are busy will say, I'm busy. I don't have time to date tons of people to find that right person. And you're telling me that I found this person that seems good and our purpose might not totally align. And you're telling me that I shouldn't go out with them. Right. So think about this. What's your purpose for dating? So for you, before you have a relationship, when you're in that dating phase, Determine what your purpose is. If you've just opened up an app and you're on it, you've got your profile set up and you're meeting people through it, what's your purpose? Is your purpose to find a life partner? Is your purpose to have people to bring to weddings? That's fine. Is your purpose to just have fun? If you're dating for fun, great, cool. But that's a totally different thing than dating to find a life partner, dating to find somebody who you actually want to build something with. And if you're doing that and you're showing up as only a little fraction of yourself and saying, eh, this person's good enough to meet this one fraction of me, okay, but don't marry them. (laughs) Don't make them, don't build your life around them because you are setting yourself up for disaster. I like what you talk about dating, you know, like you should know what you're going into the date for. And you should, you know, if you say you're going dating to meet a life partner, then Also, there's a fine line between then having too many prerequisites because people also do that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I have a very specific exercise I have people do. I have people make a list of 50 things that they want in a partner and 50 things that they absolutely don't want. And then we winnow that list down until they get down to the five things that they absolutely want and the five things that are total deal breakers. That's it. You cannot prescript exactly who you're going to find. And that annoys me as a person who likes to have a lot of choices. That annoys me. (laughs) But if we get too prescriptive, we're never going to find a partner. Instead, it's about knowing what your deal breakers are, your actual deal breakers. Cut those people loose. If you have a deal breaker, say, around 
Oh, it could be anything around a religious commitment or around smoking or around what it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, you're allowed to have that preference. But if you put a list of 50 things out there and then you on top of it want to find somebody who wants to build a life built on purpose and vision, um, I think you might actually want to be on your own for now. And that's okay. Date for fun then. That's totally fine. But when you're dating for fun, know that that's what you're doing. Commit to that. That's great. Just enjoy it. And then that becomes the issue because for me, for example, as I'm busy, I'm traveling, I'm doing so much. And if I'm going on dates and I'm meeting guys that are just, because also people would, that want to date for fun do not put it out there that they want to date for fun. Right. They make the profile all seem like they want to get serious. So then, you know, you have this clash of daters where half of them are saying they want to get serious and the other half are just, and the, you know, and people just get turned off by the whole thing. Right. This is a huge problem in modern dating because we have, we have half the culture who's saying like, all I want is hookup and half the culture who's saying all I want is a life partner. There is a lot of room in the middle there where we could be enjoying each other's company and learning and growing from having some midterm relationships with each other. So I like to think about dating the same way I think about friendships. Think about friendship first. And you know, if you're having sex with these people, fine, make sure that you're doing it in a way that's actually enjoyable to you. And great, that's fine. But don't put so much pressure on trying to find the one. If you put that much pressure on it, but what you actually want is to focus on yourself, yeah, it's not reasonable. And you know what? There's one of the first myths we can set down. It's okay to not want a life partner right now. It's okay to be like, you know what? I'm pretty happy with myself. I'm my first partner for now. Maybe I'll change my mind in a year or five years. But for right now, I'm happy like this. And then you can think about these dates that you're going on as they're friendships. They're opportunities to get to know people because it's fun to get to know new people. And if you happen to stumble across somebody where you're like, wow, wow, okay, I could maybe build something with them. Okay, now you're in a place to have a conversation from your heart, from like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself about, I think maybe there's something more here. That's very important. I mean, one thing I've got from this whole conversation is that you have to be really, really, really precise about what you want. I mean, not too precise, but you have to know what you're going into anything for. Otherwise, it's like, as you said, it's like building a company. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. But right. I think you also have to be ready to give people a chance because right. sometimes it's like a flower. You meet this person and things blossom and you find out a lot more about them. So there's that fine line between, yeah. you know, just saying, this is, yeah. So how yeah. does one deal with that? Well, we could all stand, I think, myself included, to allow ourselves to be in the not knowing, not having an answer for everything. And so this is where I think, we can get clear about what we have availability for. If I have, say, six hours a week that I'm willing to devote to to dating and friendship, then be clear about that. Like, that's what I've got right now. And think about the way that you're framing that. It's not that you're not willing to meet people, but that's how much availability you have. Yeah, leave yourself. This is a deep question, actually, Amanda. Can you allow yourself to be open to change which could configure, reconfigure your whole life while also actually stating your boundaries and your goals. But that's the mess of being a human. We're alive and we're human and it's messy. And 
Sometimes you're going to come across just the right person and the timing isn't quite right. That's your decision point where you're like, wow, okay, which, which way am I going to go? <laughs> I like what you're saying, because what you're saying is also one of those things where, for example, I'm a person that I don't even bother dating. I'm so busy and I have so many friends and friends of friends and I have so many things to do in my life. I just don't even, it's not yeah. something that's important to me at this moment in my life. But on the other hand, the joy of dating, because from what you're saying, if you are going through these dates and you know what you're looking for, you're very precise. And But also you have to have a certain air of confidence about you because the rejection factor for a lot of people, they don't like it because I feel like some people go on in the, you know, they meet a date, they know he or she's not right, but they continue it just to make themselves feel better. Yes. Brilliant. Or to make the other okay. person feel better. Yes. You just called out a huge, huge, this is a place where we have such capacity to grow mm -hmm. and develop as people. If you can recognize when you're dating to get your self-worth needs met, you, well, like that is a huge discovery. You could go to therapy for years to try to discover that, right? What if you use your actual life to show you what you're doing? Be real. After you go on a date, get real with yourself for 15 minutes and you're in your journal afterwards saying, what did I do? Was that actually me? What, how am I showing up? And was I just on that date to show myself that I'm attractive, that I'm worthy? Was I looking for external validation of my worthiness? And if you are, is that really what you want to be doing? Or do you want to start digging into that question of build your self-worth mm, from yeah. within so you're not looking for it out there? That's yeah. a deep dive. So the first thing is you have to start with yourself. You have to build yeah. your own self-worth before you even start thinking of dating so that you're coming yes. from a place of knowing yourself yeah. before you try to get to know someone else. Because I also feel like people get in dating, people get their ego hurt or they feel like, oh, I really liked him and he didn't like me. He didn't call me again or she didn't call me again. And then sometimes it just puts them off and then they just don't go into it. But we've been talking about relationships, but what do people do when they're already in a relationship and they realize it's not working anymore? How would they approach that talk? Yeah. So the first thing is try not to put too much emphasis on a talk. When you text somebody and say, we have to talk, you are setting both of you up for a hard time. Instead, set each other up for success. So I have a pretty simple method. I say, if you're realizing that there's some rockiness, first off, deal with it as soon as you're noticing. When you tune into your body, if you're noticing that you get a little feeling of nausea or tightness or scrunchness or anything about your relationship, okay, sooner than later, let's do something about it. And then what's the something? Rather than just texting your partner and saying, we have to talk and then just leaving it like they're falling off a cliff, Ask your partner on a date with the full intention to become closer together, even if that means that this relationship is ending, you can end it closer together in a really delightful way. Have yourselves a conversation about what's not working, but do it in a short format. Again, don't set yourself up for a five-hour conversation. Set aside 90 minutes. Ask yourselves to come in in a good place, which means checking in. I ask people to check for what, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Before you're going to have a conversation, make sure you're okay. Get a snack. Make sure everybody's rested. 
And bring your notes. If you're going to spring something on your partner, bring your notes about how you are feeling, not what they are doing wrong. Bring yourself to the party and say, I have this boundary and it's not, it's being crossed. Or I have this need and it's not being met. And start your conversation from there. Talk about your relationship from your side of the street. Really stay in your system rather than trying to point and blame or trying to fix. And just stay in the conversation for 90 minutes and allow yourselves, I actually use a timer for these kinds of conversations. Allow yourselves the grace of saying, so we're gonna talk about this, but we don't have to come to a decision today. This is a chance to talk about it. Let's revisit it again in three days or a week. It's too much pressure to say, we're gonna have one conversation that's gonna fix our whole relationship. When I work with couples, we go on a year-long journey through the work of creating, really up-leveling their relationship. The work is important and powerful, but the process can be fun if you approach it with that spirit of like, this is going to be an adventure we're going on together. So have these conversations like that with the spirit of adventure. After talking to you today, it's very enlightening because a lot of these things, I think, we don't try to be like objective about it. A lot of times we go from a place of just passion or ego or just we say what we want to say but we're not really objective and it's funny because when you talk about it it's it's kind of the way I look at relationships like I kind of know what I'm looking for in a relationship I also know what I'm willing to bend on but then I have my definite yeses which they're not a lot of them and my definite no's which there are a few and and I think a relationship is a symbiotic thing where we're both You both decide to get into something and you both have to be willing to bend. But how much you want to bend, you have to discuss it from the moment you get in. I still think societal and gender roles play a big part in all this because I've seen a lot of very successful women still feel less than because they feel that they don't have the right partner or they have the right partner and they're like, but he's not doing this and he's not doing that and da, da, da. And I'm like, but he doesn't really have to because you guys as a family unit are already there. So it doesn't really matter if he does that. But then I guess as women, we get to a stage where we feel like, oh, he's not being man enough or whatever it is. You know, just being able to admit that to yourself, Mm -hmm. if what you're feeling, if it is like overly stereotypical or, you know, you're having a feeling that you're like, I'm not really proud of how I feel about this, but it's still the feeling that's coming up. Well, the first thing I would say is, okay, cool. That's actually on you. The great news you have there is your attitudes, beliefs, and feelings are yours to deal with. That isn't your partner's problem. You want your partner to be different? Why? What's your relationship? Why? What's your relationship purpose? Let's circle back to these really foundational pillars of your relationship and say, are you just having a moment where you're caught up in that story that society tells you? And that if you just quieted your mind and said, wait a minute, I don't have to buy that story, you could then come back to your actual stated purpose. You created something with this person. Now, if you find yourself, I see this fairly frequently, if you find yourself in a relationship and you're already one foot out the door, it's on you to decide if you want to work on the relationship, put both feet in and work on it from your side. It's not possible to work on a relationship with one foot out the door. So you got to decide to be all in. 
and come back to that purpose. And if you're asking your partner to change to be more of a man or to show up and honestly, more like you, why? Look inside, really, really reflect on it. What's your reason? And if you say, if you hear yourself saying, because I just feel that way, the word just right there, that has a lesson for you. Because I just feel that way means you are being deeply influenced by societal norms. And you run a business, you're ambitious, you're already bucking the norms. You're already doing things that people didn't expect of you. So why give into this one? It's not... To have an elite level marriage is not to have both people performing at super high levels the whole time. It's to have both people supporting each other's dreams and goals and working on their purpose together. That means you may be off cycle in your ambition. That's fine. You may be on cycle and you have to figure out how to deal with that. The point is, can you actually be on the same page in your love? Yeah, so that's a really important thing, you know, like supporting each other's goals and life ambitions because I just feel like a lot of times we don't go into relationship like that and then there's that societal pressure I feel like the societal pressure is almost a bigger thing in whole than what we want for ourselves right and this is a place where we have an opportunity to really decide to choose for ourselves to be who we want to be. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. Relationships are messy and complicated and going out on your own to start a business is messy and complicated, but there are people to help you do these things really well. That's what we do. We want to, if we want to change those societal norms, we start by changing how we do our relationship. That's medicine for the whole world. Every single time we find a couple doing, like creating their dreams and ambitions together, there we go. We Now we, we've got one more drop in the bucket <laughs> so that our daughters won't have to fight this same battle. And the funniest thing is normally when couples are doing this, creating their dreams and ambitions together, when other people look at them, they love it. They think, oh my God. But I think it's that initial stage sometimes when people are trying to set this up for themselves and you know they've got pressure from friends or society saying, oh, why are you doing this? You guys should be doing that. Blah, blah. And instead of just listening to the purpose of their family or their family unit, you know? Yeah, that's where, I mean, I actually take my, we have our purpose statement written down on our fridge to remind me when the pressure is overwhelming or when I find myself doubting, when I'm caught in my own self-doubt because, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but that doesn't mean that I don't still have to show up and do the work. I do. I also have an accountability partner. I have a friend who I can call when I'm like, what am I doing? I don't, I think this couldn't possibly be working because we're not meeting X, Y, and Z. And she reminds me of what my purpose is. Like she knows I've written her into the, into the story. She knows how to say, yeah, you didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. It's okay. Carry on. And that helps me get my feet again and get back to what I meant to be doing. There's one last question I have, which is I've come to this conclusion in life because I've watched a lot of my friends, both older and younger. I feel like when people reach around the age of 50, 55, that purpose thing changes because I realize that before 50, they care about what everybody thinks about so much. And it's almost as after 50, 55, they start thinking, you know what? Fuck every, sorry. (laughs) I get it. I hear it. That's the right word for it. I'm going to live my life because I'm going to die in another 25 or 30, you know, 
Because that, right. I feel like in the beginning, it's almost like this Peter Pan thing where you feel like, oh my God, I'm going to, and all of a sudden I feel like for most people, especially if they're not married, they come to this thing. Even if they are married after 50, 55, they start thinking, you know what? I'm going to marry who I want. I'm going to create the family that fits my life. But I realize that sometimes before that age, it's always trying to fit in. But as we yes. grow older, we lose friends. So you start realizing that, and you also start realizing that nobody really cares that much. I, when I say yes. cares, I mean, they don't really care about what you're doing. They're too busy no. with what they're doing. But exactly. I feel like when you're younger, you kind of think that everybody cares. Oh my God, what are you doing? But then as you get older, you realize everybody just gets on with it, you know? And, you know, by right. the time you're 70, you don't even see your friends anymore because They've all got grandkids and kids and all the things you thought that mattered didn't really matter. It is, you are naming something that psychologists have been talking about for a long mm -hmm. time. Philosophers have been. There is a stage, Carl Jung would, in particular would talk about how the first half of life was building up the ego. And this isn't a bad thing. This is that stance. Who am I in the world? How do I fit into the world? You do that. You go out, you build the business, you start your life, you get the career, you do the things, you have children. And then you're going to wake up one day and realize, oh, I meant to live a life of meaning. I meant to be here to fulfill my soul's purpose. That is a deep breath moment because when you realize that, a lot of stuff falls away. And I've seen people reach that moment at 35, 55, 70. I think you're right though. That 45 to 55 is when I see the most people walk through my door and say, okay, I have to do something because everything I've done up till now was to satisfy an external story. And now I want to live for my soul's true purpose. How do I do that? I have no background. Like no part of our system educates for that. And that's exactly what I guide people through. How do you become the most you version of you possible? And how do you do that with your partnership as well? Yeah. And find someone that can help you be the best you and you can help them be the best them. And exactly. you know, that sometimes seems such a hard dream or such an out there narrative. But the truth yeah. is, you know, once you start knowing who you are, it becomes so much easier because you're not really bothered about what's going on outside. You're just bothered about right. what your purpose is and how the two of you can evolve this relationship. I mean, right. that's sad. I don't want to take any more of your time, but this discussion I could have for ages because you taught me a lot today. But if our audience want to find you, where can they find you? You know, if they want to reach out. Well, I would love to have everybody hop on over to my website. It's joliehamilton.com, J-O-L-I, Hamilton, like the musical, nice and easy. <laughs> and if you are in a relationship right now and you are so tired of like the Netflix and chill that just turns into Netflix and fall asleep on the couch kind of dates, you can download my curiosity date and have a really life-changing experience in a two-hour date with your partner. So I'd love for people to hop over there and check it out. Oh, a curiosity date. Even I should download that. Yeah. <laughs> Could you give us a little bit, a little, tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, the curiosity date I designed because it was what I was doing in my own relationship. And it seemed to be creating something that my friends weren't getting. My friends were doing the same old thing and they'd go out to dinner and then they'd come home and then they'd fall asleep. And while they were at dinner, they just wind up talking about work and kids, work and kids. 
And I was doing something else. I had made this long list of questions and they were strange questions like, where were you when you saw the most beautiful sunset? And what's something you've always wanted to try in bed? There, It's a whole bunch of questions and they, they range from racy to completely spiritual. I would use these questions to keep us in a relationship mindset on our dinner dates. And it totally works. It transforms the evening. Very interesting. I will be downloading the curiosity date myself. And I, I like what you said there because, you know, a lot of people after being married for a long time, obviously they just talk about kids and work yes. because that's yeah. the center of their life. But with the curiosity date, you can get over it and you know where to find Dr. Jolie Hamilton. And yeah. did you want to say something else? I just wanted to say that if you're single right now, don't think that relationship work isn't for you. You can do your side of the work anytime you're ready. And that will set you up for actually creating the relationship you want. So thank you so much for having me, Amanda. This was wonderful. I mean, thank you so much for coming in for the discussion. I really enjoyed it because I'm going to be taking some of your, some of your tips and hacks and using them myself. And I will come back to you and tell you Great. if it worked. Thank you so Great. much. Please do. Thanks a lot. Thanks. <laughs> 